When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. G'day legends and welcome to the Pot Noodle by Celtic Down Under. I'm your host Jared and joining me tonight are Shane and Liam. How are you doing Shane? Yeah, good thanks mate. Uh, been really enjoying this wonderful burst of spring weather that we've had in Melbourne and uh, making the most of it by getting out and uh, catching up with a few friends and uh, just uh, soaking up the sunshine which uh, is set to come to an end tomorrow night unfortunately so making the most of it. I'll have to agree with you. The weather has been nice here in Melbourne. However, I don't want to swear in the first five minutes because of monetization things on YouTube. So I will say, hey, Fever, you are a son of a you-know-what. That's all I have to say with the weather the last few days. It's been a nightmare. How are you, Liam, over in blurry Japan? Well, we've had some pretty weird weather today, actually, uh, just to continue this stream of thought. Um Coming back for the shops with the wife about an hour ago, and uh, there was all there was this fork lightning that was completely silent, no rain, just lightning, and it was all emanating from this one cloud. It was like Independence Day, kind of like I'm waiting for the big UFO popping out the cloud. Honestly, weird stuff. It wasn't it? Wasn't UFOs, mate? It was. <laughs> Zombie cloud, mate. Just waiting for me. Uh, had to. Yeah, yeah, so, um, yeah. yeah, had to be done. So thanks, everyone, for um, tuning in. Uh, we really appreciate it. Over the last week, we've had another great week on the channel in terms of views and the podcast just and subscribers going up and everything. So we appreciate each and every one of you. I'm going to, before we get into the game, I'm going to, Go on a little tangent here. I'll put it in our group chat. I'm going to put it out there for everyone. So 
this is coming into the fourth year of the Celtic Down Under podcast being around. It started it around about this time four years ago. Um, at that time, Neil Lennon was the manager. Um, things like, I think Rogers had just left, actually, was about to leave or had just left. And Lenny came in later that season. And since then, we've built up the podcast to, you know, get to the point where we got, we just went from an audio podcast once a week to podcasting a YouTube channel into everything we're doing. And it got to the point now where we've got a Facebook group, we've got a bunch of people everywhere who are supporting the channel, and we really appreciate you all. So I thought we've got the channel to a point, so down under podcast to a point where it's time to make a difference. And October is Mental Health Awareness Month over here in Australia. I think it might be worldwide, but I know it definitely is here. So I put in our group chat to the boys that I want to do a fundraiser for the Black Dog Institute, which is a mental big mental health awareness um, mob over here in Australia. And they have a thing what they call One Foot Forward, which is the is just one of their main fundraisers each year. So what you do is you put a group and you go, you're all going to walk, you're going to walk a hundred kilometers and everyone comes on. And if they can give five, $5 here, $10 there, you give what you can, whatever. And we're going to try and raise $500. That's the target, right? For the podcast for the month of October. So I'm going to share the link around for that. Once I've set all that up and finalized it on the podcast, I'm going to share it. I'm going to share it on all our social medias, whether it's our Instagram, Twitter, threads, Facebook, the works. I know there's a cost of living thing going on and I don't expect a lot of people to dip into their pockets, but if you can give something when we do that, that would be a great, great cause. And we want to, you know, make it a yearly thing going forwards. This is the first time we're trying to do something. So I put it in our group chat thinking, oh, I might get one or two guys who will say, yeah, they'll join up. We'll make it a team fundraiser. Every single person in our group chat, all 11 of them were like, yep, I'm in. And then my wife's like, I'll join it too. And a few others. So we're going to have a fair income crack at it. So it's a good cause. Just letting you all know now, otherwise I'll forget later on in the pod. Just keep an eye out for that. And if you can give a couple of dollars or whatever, that is greatly appreciated. So into the Celtic talk. Celtic 3, Dundee nil. So I looked at the lineup and the questions going into the game on the weekend. What were they, Shane? Who's going to start at centre back? Who's going to start in the midfield? Who's going to start on the wing with a bar out? That's pretty much it, right? Yep, spot we on. Got the team, we got the team list. Harding goals, Johnson, Phillips, Scales, Taylor. So there was the answer there. Lagerbalka was on the bench. And then you had O'Reilly, McGregor, and Turnbull. Oh, then why? And then Kyogo with Dazen and Yang on the bench. Oh, on the bench, on the on the on the right, sorry. Um, the bench had Lagerbelki, Palmer, O, Bernardo, Hatate, Home, Bain, Forrest, and Ralston. So pretty strong squad there. Every single player on our bench for us, except for Scott Bain, would probably start for for Dundee, let alone half the teams in our league. What was your thoughts when you saw the starting lineup, Shane? Um, the only I don't know if necessarily you'd call it a surprise, but the only thing I, I wasn't too pleased about was just the continuation of the midfield with Turnbull and O'Reilly together. I thought Phillips coming in at centre half made perfect sense. We uh, you know, he's a good signing, he's got decent pedigree. 
we're bringing him in for our Champions League run, which is starting, obviously, you know, in a couple of days' time. He needs to get uh, a couple of minutes under his belt, so that makes perfect sense. Bring him in for Lagerbelk, who, um, you know, between himself and Scales was probably, um, you know, Scales outshone him at Ibrox, so that made total sense to me. Uh, Yang on the right, again, made total sense. We we waxed lyrical about him last week. Um, he definitely deserved his crack uh, at uh, that spot with Abada injured, and so that really wasn't surprising. Like I said, the only thing, and it wasn't really a surprise, but Turnbull persisting in midfield was the only thing I sort of looked at and thought, mm, no, I was really keen for home to get a chance there, uh, just something a little bit different. I thought maybe if Hatate was back, he might not start, so that played out as I expected, but... Um, yeah, I wasn't super happy with Turnbull um, uh, persisting next to O'Reilly and um, and that showed in the end, unfortunately. And Liam, what was your thoughts, mate? Yeah, um, pretty similar to, to Shane. Um, my, uh, you know, new centre-back comes in. You've got to start him to get him some game time with a view to him playing some part in, uh, in the game tomorrow night. But, um, yeah, Turnbull in midfield, I... Um, you know, look, he's a he's a very good player, but I don't think he fits with the the type of football we're trying to play now. Um, look, credit to him, he scored the opening goal, albeit with a penalty. Um, and you know that set us on the road to victory. But we are a much slower, much more plodding midfield when Turnbull is in it. We are a much faster more flexible, more dynamic midfield when Hatati is in it. And I think, if I'm being brutally honest, either home or Iwata would have given us more of that dynamic flexibility than Turnbull does. So really, Turnbull is, you know, Turnbull started because Hatati wasn't fully fit. That, that That's the prevailing narrative. But honestly, for me, David Turnbull's about three or four players down the pecking order in terms of who starts in midfield. Um, so I didn't really get that one, but you know, um, at the end of the day, we got the job done and we won the game quite convincingly. So that's why I'm not the Celtic manager. <laughs> yeah. It was like all the talk at half time, Liam was like that, you know, oh, I was an Alison Johnston game where atrocious. I'm sitting there watching the game. I'd been out at a 60th party with the in-laws. I was a little half cut while watching the game and everything. And it was just, I was like, what is this, all this crossing? It was like we get the ball out there and I thought Yang was Yang looked dynamic, Maeda looked good, Kyogo looked good. The midfield, like O'Reilly and Kalmak first half were, were doing a good, but I thought we were a man down in the middle of the park again like we were in the first half when, when we went to Ibrox, but it didn't matter then. Like I thought Turnbull did nothing in the first half at Ibrox and it was the same again on the weekend. And... The crosses were just going in and they were either half a step behind the attackers or they were just to nobody. So I was just like, this looks really disjointed. So the difference of that in the first half and in the second half where, as you said, Liam, about, you know, it could have been home, it could have been a water, but then Hatate coming in, the difference with Hatate for me was he presents to the get receive the ball. And that makes the midfield move because a lot of the time Kelmack is like just sitting there and Turnbull's off in his little spot. And if the ball's coming to his area, he moves. But the rest of the time he just holds holds shape. He doesn't come back towards the ball where you'd see Hatate. 
he'd make a run. If he didn't get it, then he'd come back and give an option so Kelmack can play it, and Kelmack can move, and then someone else can slot in, and then O'Reilly gets it. Like, you look at the goal for Kyogo, the movement there where it was Hatade passing to Kelmack with the cross over the top, which I was going to talk about as the next topic anyway, so we'll blur them all into one. But, like, things like that, yeah, Turnbull won the penalty and then converted it, great. But the movement and the midfield presenting and that sort of thing, it looked a hell of a lot better and a lot more fluid in the second half. So Willie said in our group chat, is there a lack of creativity when Turnbull's on compared to Hatade? And is that an issue? And in our league, not so much. In Europe, it definitely will be. But, yeah, I just thought that was the way I saw the game in terms of the tale of two halves. Shane, you got anything you want to add? No, if anything, I was just going to pretty much agree with you. It was the quintessential game of two halves in terms of a Celtic performance. The first half was really, really kind of turgid, really sluggish. You know, that we were bringing the centre halves up, bringing the ball up, and, you know, they were looking to make passes, but then, you know, not they weren't getting many options in terms of players presenting and just the overall movement wasn't there and we were really struggling to make things happen. You sort of said this was in comparison to the first half or against St. Johnston or a similar game. I actually found this to be to be worse. At least in that, we had a couple of chances. I felt this first half, we really kind of struggled to make things happen. There was no tempo. There was no flow. Everything was stop-start. It, it really, you know, we got to half time and it was like something's going to have to give here because we, we just can't come out in the second half like that. And we didn't. And I agree, Hatate coming on was a big factor. But even prior to him coming on, I felt like there was a little bit of a difference in terms of the way the team came out after halftime. The passing was quicker. The tempo was better. There was better movement in front of the players who were bringing the ball forward, looking to pass. And then I think from there, it kind of opened up. They lost a little bit of their structure, particularly when they went a goal down. We were able to exploit that space. And no doubt, Hatate took that to the next level. But yeah, second half was a vast improvement on the first. There's clearly levels. Like as Liam said, he's probably the fourth option in the middle of the park. Let's be honest here at the moment. So the top, probably the top four guys, in my opinion, I reckon he's our fifth option in midfield, maybe even sixth option. If you look at it, you got Kelmack, you've got O'Reilly, you've got Hatade. They're our top, they're our three main guys. Then it's Bernardo and Home are your next two. And then Turnbull. So he's, that's how deep down the chart he is for me. So I may have even missed someone. Awada could even be above him as well. Quan could even, I don't know. No, it's going too far. Quan's your neck in, Jared. Jeez. <laughs> like, that's how far down the list we've got to go. And it's not that I'm picking on him. Like Turnbull was probably the best player in the first six months of Ange's first season. But since that injury, he hasn't fit in this Celtic team and the way we want to play. So, yeah. I was just going to say there was a moment in the first half which I think encapsulated it, and and we actually had a good opportunity. Um, we we're bearing down on goal. They were out of shape a little bit. Maeda was making a run. Turnbull got the ball. All he had to do was play it first time to play Maeda, and he takes a touch and then looks to play him and it gets broken up. And you just, you can see him getting ready to take that touch and like, don't just first time, just first time play it to him, play him in. But he wanted to kind of take control of the ball, turn on it and then release it. And it just, the moment was lost. So seven touches, Shane. I counted at one point, 
He got the ball. He got it passed to him. And for him, he went probably five meters forward and touched the ball seven times. Yeah. This is what I did on my lunch break today. I watched it and I counted it. I'm like, what the hell? I went back, found the full game, got to the point, watched it. He touched the ball seven times in a row. And in the second half, Atade got the ball in the exact same position. One touch to control, one touch to put the pass through. I'm like, and then later on, um, I think it was Bernardo who got the ball in a similar area, one touch football. There you go. As yeah. John Clemens says here, Kelmack sets the tempo, Hatado raises it, Turnbull lowers it. Massive difference. So mm. I'm not on a witch hunt. This is as going into the game tomorrow. We need to discuss this. Oh, ditto. Same with me. I had him as a, a player who was going to shine under Rodgers this season, and unfortunately it hasn't panned out that way. I've long said that he can't play next to O'Reilly. I'm not too – and I would say that maybe if O'Reilly's injured, you put him there. But considering how much work O'Reilly gets through – I'm not sure I'd subscribe to that anymore just because O'Reilly's doing a lot of work. He's dropping deeper. You can see him almost at times partner Kelmack. Um, he does a lot of defensive hard work when it required. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm just not sure we can we can do that. So he he's going to be okay, I think, against opposition where we've got that luxury of him being able to get on the ball and control it for a little bit. But I just can't see him, you know, starting in Rotterdam. Yeah, I was just going to say it's it's about a technical thing, right? I mean, I I'm quite critical of English football because I I watch quite a lot of it, right? And I don't think it's half as good as it's made out to be. And I think that at international level, this this plays out, right? Why England, despite having so many great players, don't win any tournaments? You look at what English players do, and Turnbull is this type of player, right? They take two or three touches, maybe it's sometimes even four touches to do what the average Spanish, Italian, Brazilian will do in one touch. And I think that's the same with, uh, you know, with the Celtic team. Hatate does in one or two touches what Turnbull needs three or four touches to do. It's not necessarily his fault. He's just a different type of player. And we need higher tempo players for the type of football we're going to play, particularly in Europe. Um, so, like you say, Tumble will continue to do a job at domestic level, but is he going to be happy with that? Because I think he could go somewhere like a lower half of the English Premier League team, probably make a, a hell of a lot more money for himself and play every week. Um, you know, he could go to somebody like, I don't know, Southampton or Norwich or something and probably be a star. Um, I was going to say, West Ham, maybe thought. Ah, he's not that good. It's <laughs> <laughs> been generous. No, um, no but I, I, I think, yeah. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? 
a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. I uh, well. <laughs> Um, right. um, we'll, we'll no, I, I, I just think it's better to, you know, just run with it. All right. So we'll bring up some of the comments here. So uh, we've got here, Andrew Galea, Turnbull is fine against bunkered opposition, but does nothing going the other way. Makes life harder for Taylor. Pegleg is saying Turnbull can't start in Europe. Maybe last 20 minutes. He's not quick enough for that level. Andrew is also saying we want midfielders that can actually play in the middle of the park and get involved both ways. Pegley goes a double pivot tomorrow and play in the counter. If we leave a lot of space behind, we'll get into trouble. Uh, we'll discuss that a little further on, but I think pretty much, oh, I would say probably three quarters of the Celtic supporter base is all saying the same thing. Andrew's like, so far we've probably played three good halves of football this season. Mickey's saying, morning, lad. Scott first half flashbacks to St. Johnson game, but after the Pan and Hattati came on, we're a different side. He's on another level. Robert Gibson, Turnbull should be left in Rotterdam. Moves like a stoned hippie at the best of times. <laughs> it was a Turger first, first half. I was almost on the, on the nod. Um, I'm not going to lie. I was just a little sleepy because I had been drinking. Could have ended up that way myself. So we we got that black, that bit. Uh, what else have we got here? RL77, Turnbull is just not dynamic enough, and that's a bit of a game. It's a bit of a game he could change, always being on the move, but he hasn't done that. Red Scotland, I'd rather dump a bag of sand or a traffic cone in the midfield than let Quan play anywhere near a Celtic shirt on match day. <laughs> We'll bring Liam back in here quickly. Mm. He's back. Yeah, I'm back just in time to see the Quan fan club, I can see. Yeah. <laughs> Andrew Glares. Most would have thought Awada would be a Rogers player. What has happened there? You hearing anything, Liam? Uh, no, because Awata, being the typical sort of Japanese professional footballer that he is, has maintained a dignified silence throughout the entire thing. <laughs> Um, but I think he's being treated quite shoddily, to be quite honest, because he's not done anything wrong. Well, we got this from Andrew. Liam, surely Awada and Kobayashi will want to leave come January. What are your thoughts? Kobayashi, possibly. Iwata, no, because I think there's a there's a future there. Um, Kobayashi, with, with Phillips coming in, with Scales, I mean... Again, no offence to Liam Scales, right? But he was one of the first names that everybody thought was going to be out the door come the summer. And he is now be starting in games when Kobayashi can't even get into the squad. So I really want Kobayashi to make the grade, but I think I think we're looking at another Hideguchi scenario, unfortunately. Um, I thought Kobayashi would be the, um, you know, Brendan Rodgers's. Jack Hendry, sort of player, like the ball-playing centre-back that he loves. I thought it would have been perfect for him, but, yeah, it's not That's happening. the type of player he is when he gets the chance to play, but unfortunately he's not. And, 
to be quite honest, based on how he got ragdolled by both Hearts and Rangers towards the end of last season, um, you know, you've got to say on performance, it doesn't merit being in that team at the moment as much as I really want them to prove me wrong. Yeah. Bring up a couple more comments, Michael Ross. How how my upside down chums. Well done, <laughs> reverse there. I did well reading that too, so good job. I appreciate him doing the Japanese thing of writing from right to left as well. That was well played, mate. Well played. Making Liam feel at home. Right. Yeah, so I'm just going through here. Uh, what else do we have? Yeah, Rogers will have a master planner, as they say in Japan. Over to you, Liam. <laughs> Can you say that in the channel? It's something about orange so-and-sos, so I'm not going to repeat it. <laughs> there we go. Well played, oh Michael. Well, played. well done, mate. Well done. You almost caught me there, son. Almost. <laughs> so, so, talking about, so talking about centre-backs, like we're saying about Kobayashi and Scales, like to me, Scales is this season's um, Ralston two years ago, like, no one thought Ralston would break into the team. And even with Juranovic coming in and that sort of thing, Ralston did well and was one of our better players. And I think Scales has the potential at the moment while we're down on numbers to establish himself in the squad. And he's doing pretty well so far. But we started Phillips. Particularly with the fact that he can also play left back. That, that's the other exactly. thing. Yeah. He gives us more size as well, Liam, as left back. Like, that's my one concern for tomorrow is that Taylor got targeted so badly in the Champions League last year because he's because he's small. Like if you have if you have to do it, like do you start scales? We'll talk about that later, or do you start Phillips and Lagerbelke, whatever. But scales, even if he's off the bench, he can cover that left back position because he's a six footer out there. So it would take that option away. But you know, we don't I don't I think he's done well. He's given himself a chance to still have a career. He's not going to be that long-term player, the chance he's getting now is that ch- this should have been Welsh's chance. Let's be honest. So mm-hmm. he's lucky. Out. He, was, he was days away from being sold back up to Aberdeen. Starting the Champions League game tomorrow away in Holland. Shows swings and roundabouts in football. Yeah. Yeah, and, and Welsh's new contract, which he signed about six hours before he injured himself, kind of speaks... <laughs> Speaks to that, you know. Um, where where was Liam Scales, uh, you know, at that 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 time, right? You know, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Just coming out of the coming out of a darkened corner with a crowbar. <laughs> it was probably a two, a two footed challenge in training that done <laughs> that, that, that done well. <laughs> it's a high scales instead of high time um, in the movie. You get that. Oh. So, Red Scotland's asked a serious question, Shane. If someone were to dig a hole from Scotland all the way through the earth to Australia, would their head appear through the hole first or their feet? You need to answer that. We're going to answer the real questions on this podcast. It depends what they were digging with, I guess. Although the thing is, if you're somebody who, you know, spends a lot of time contemplating such things, I'd say you'd have to remove your head from your arse first before it could go anywhere. So... I'd, um, I, you dive in. I, I would. <laughs> I, I don't know how to answer that, but for those who've seen the Simpsons episode where the water goes the other way, it yeah. does. It really it's does. True. It's the actually Coriolis true. effect. 
Yeah. Yes, it is a real yeah. thing. The water does go the other way. And Robert Gibson has another comment. Kobayashi and Cantwell, the Ken and Barbie of Scottish football. <laughs> That's a bit disrespectful. Barbie's got a bit more movement than Cantwell, you know. <laughs> hey, Liam, I've got a good dad joke for you based on that. Oh, yeah. You'll love this one. Why are there no pregnant Barbies? Don't know. Because Ken came in another box. Oh, <laughs> there we go. Oh, there we go. <laughs> paywall, everyone. <laughs> that's the sort of stuff that we joke about, you know. That oh, we, that's behind the paywall. There we go. Put your bad dad jokes in the comment section. We love it. <laughs> so, last thing I want to talk about: the goal scored on the weekend, the penalty. All, all well and good. I think we could have scored probably five or six quite comfortably. So I don't really think we need to dig in too much there. There was an, an offside, you know, for Maeda. One camera angle where you can actually see his feet, he looks onside. The other one that they called him offside, you can't see his feet because of the sun glare. It is what it is. We still got the win. But I just want to touch on the debut boys from the weekend. So Phillips, Palmer, Bernardo. Shane, what do you take on them? I was probably harsh on Phillips in our group chat. I basically said the jury's still out on him. Um, look, I he it was his first game, you know, and you know, I thought that he was okay. Maybe that was even a higher grading than I would have given him on the weekend. I thought his passing in particular was was really poor. Gave the ball away quite a bit, but you know, in thinking about that today, that could have been a byproduct of just. The, the lack of movement ahead and the lack of options and and how kind of sluggish we were, uh, the players up ahead of him and the, the lack of movement and tempo and, and energy and so forth. So, look, I'll, I'll, I'll give him a pass in the end. And obviously he went off at halftime, which, you know, I, I, I don't know what it was, whether it was concussion, an ankle. ankle injury, an ankle. It's okay. Ankle. Look, for a first hit out, I was probably too harsh on him. I think there's definitely a player there. Defensively, he was good. Just needed to tighten up his passing. Um, he tried like that long diagonal ball to Maeda on the left like three or four times, and each time it just sailed right over his head. I'm just like, it's not working, mate. Try something else. Um, um, in terms of the other boys, uh, so we had Palmer come on. He looked good uh, in the small cameo. I, I quite like his role and what he brought. I like that, you know, that... You know, we, you've said it all the time, that tricky winger, right? He looked quality, so um, I was really happy with him. And uh, Bernardo, I didn't see an awful lot of, but um, I'm looking forward to seeing him get a bit more of an opportunity. Phillips and Palmer are the two that I focused on the most, and particularly Phillips in uh, with a focus on uh, on Rotterdam. And uh, like I said, I was probably a little bit too harsh in a group chat for a, for a uh, player on his first game, so I, I take a little bit of it back, but uh, just tighten up the passing some. The thing with him as well, like Phillips, I love the fact that he did those Virgil-esque sort of runs. Like you can tell he's been practicing against him at Liverpool and that, like get the ball. It's got no one to pass to. I'm going to go for a little wander forward and look for, to make something happen. He did that a couple of times and I like the look of that. And then all of a sudden you can see it just rubbing off on his teammate because then Scales went for a run and did it too. And I'm like, holy crap, I haven't seen this sort of thing since the old Virgil and Denier back pairing. It was um it was actually interesting to see, but yeah, what do you think of the debut boys, Liam? Yeah, um, 
Phillips is obviously a work in progress. You know, match sharpness is obviously an issue. Hence, the like Shane said, the very poor distribution, but looks solid defensively. Um, you know, he's played in the Champions League before, so he's got that experience, which is going to be invaluable. Um, yeah, um, so far, so good, as far as I'm concerned. I really liked the look of Palma when he came on, because um, he had this thing where there wasn't that much happening for him, but every time the ball came anywhere near him, he was aggressively trying to run it down, and he was shouting, give me the ball, he was taking men on. He had that kind of aggression and directness. Remind me a bit of Yang in that sense. Um, a guy who's like, right, I'm here, I want to show you what I can do. Give me the ball and I'll show you what I can do. You know, and I, I like that attitude. Um, that's going to serve as well in the weeks and months ahead. Uh, Bernardo didn't put a foot wrong, but you know, he was only on the park for a, a short period of time, so can't really say much either way. But yeah, solid, solid debuts all round, I think. Um, special mention also, just while we're closing up our comments on the game. That save that Joe Hart made at nil-nil was absolutely world class. And when you win it, when you when you ultimately end up winning a game three-nil, it's important. It's important to acknowledge that you know the game could have easily gone the other way if we'd have gone at halftime one-nil down and the heads roll, whatever you know. Um, that save was brilliant and it was absolutely vital. Um, Big Joe steps up and does it again. Mm. I think uh, Rogers has simplified his game this season in terms of he doesn't have to be doing as much with the ball at his feet like Ange wanted him to. So the fact that in the EPL over the last, you know, 15 years, he's actually been one of the highest percentage, like, shot stoppers in terms of saves and stuff. And then you put on top of that, Rogers is just letting him put the foot through, the put the laces through the ball if he needs to. It's... um. Yeah, I think he's actually seems a lot more relaxed playing in this system than he was the last two years. So the fact that he was sharp and he was onto it and he made that save, yeah, I had that on the list as the last thing I wanted to say as well in the game. Give credit where it's due. We all wanted a new keeper going into the into this season. Um, Joe Hart's been playing probably, I reckon, this is borderline his best form that he's been in the last three or four games that we've seen from him in at least a year in a Celtic jersey, if not his whole time at the club. Well, that's three clean sheets in a row now, and in each of those games, so at home, St. Johnston, Ibrox, and then against Dundee, he's had to pull off a couple of crucial saves in all three of those matches. So um, I think that just backs up both of you, uh, your boys' points. Uh, you boys' points? What am I trying to say? I don't know. What you both said. It backs up what you both said. I don't know. English is my second language. Australian is my first language. Australian. Mate, <laughs> yeah. Oh, um, t- talking about talking about that special mention to the guy I saw on Twitter this week, who was a, uh, who went out and said that um, Alfredo Morelos would be the best striker ever to play for Santos, oh and uh, a Santos fan replied, being suitably dismissive, and the reply was, "I don't speak Brazilian. You'll have to write that in English." <laughs> <laughs> I saw that. To give the Santos boy his due, he just replied with a picture of the R.I.P. Ra- Ra- Rangers for the deal of record headlines. Yeah, as Robert Gibson's saying. Uh, yeah, exactly. Just, <laughs> just a tiny player to forget about in the history of the game. That's it. 
They used Even to have Bailey, movie. now they've got Bailey. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, they got Belland, but you've gone one better. <laughs> All right, so we'll crack on a little bit. So the Barrowfield redevelopment that we've been talking about on and off over the on the pods for the last six months or so since the story came out is actually happening. It's been approved by the council and all that sort of good stuff. So I think it's great. It's basically, it's the largest infrastructure investment by the club since the redevelopment of Celtic Park in the 90s. It's about 20 million pounds spend. Um, it's going to take around 12 to 15 months to complete. We're getting, what are we getting here? We're getting an indoor arena, a combination of outdoor natural grass and artificial pitches, state-of-the-art gym, fitness facilities, new changing facilities, medical suite for tra- player treatment and rehab, as well as sports science and analysis centres. It's going to have a dedicated training ground for the women's t- first team as well as high-end training facilities for the academy. Peter Lawwell comments, why you're just the non-executive chairman, shut up and let the other people talk like Michael Nicholson. Uh, Rogers had his set, but realistically, I just look at this and go, it's great to hear that, okay, we've been talking, oh, we've got all this money in the bank. Yeah, so we're spending some of it on an asset for the club that's going to not just help us now, but it's going to help our women's team, our our B team. It's going to help our – and what will mean those two will have a place to play that's not down in, what, Ayrshire or Airdrie or wherever the hell that is. They're going to be back playing just down the road from Celtic Park. They're going to have training venues. We're going to have another facility that the men's first team can train at if it's snowing or whatever, there's just a whole bunch of extra things there. I just, I just love the idea of it. And it's going back to the roots out in the East end as well. So yeah, it's great investment, spend the money, you get the long-term thing, but uh, yeah, we'll um, yeah. Red Scotland. Thanks for that. I agree with you hundred percent. Lowell is now chairman. The non-executive part has been removed and the slimy entity has been fully restored. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. As soon as I saw his name, I'm like, what for? Go away. <laughs> but anyway, what's your thoughts, Liam, on the redevelopment and everything that's going on there? Yeah, it's it's excellent. Um, it's Barrafield has been crying out for renovation pretty much ever since Celtic Park was was renovated. Um, it's uh, it's an area of Glasgow that is often neglected, um, and it's it's great to see it being built up um, in some degree. But from the point of view of the women's team, uh, it's great they're going to have their own dedicated training facility, playing facilities, whatever. We need to match that by putting a team on the park. Um, we need to at least match the levels of investment that. Glasgow City and Sevco are putting into their women's teams um, because it's not fair to Fran, it's not fair to the, the staff, it's not fair to the players, the way that team just gets ripped apart every season because all our best players get poached for more money. 
Um, we're going to have a professional setup for the women. Let's start give, giving them a professional pay grade as well. Come on, Liam, be careful. You're going to cop stuff in the comments. You want us to share the joke, Michael Ross? Well, I'm about to bring it up. Robert Gibson in the comments. Peter Law is such an asset. I hope his wife keeps him That's the joke we were all cracking up laughing over, mate. Oh dear. <laughs> I'm not I'm not professional enough to not laugh when I see that stuff come up in the comments. The other boys are very good at keeping oh. a straight face. I, I can't multitask that well. So um I'm usually a dead giveaway. I'd be the, the worst kind of um straight man in the joke because I'd just I'd just give it away all the time. If you so what you're saying is, Shane, in those circumstances, extent. your hands are full, so you have to abdicate to somebody <laughs> else, right? I'm holding it. I'm holding a pen. So yes, one hand's one hand's full. <laughs> or his kangaroo? Which one? <laughs> that leads to another joke, but I won't. Air, it, it's not for this time slot. <laughs> oh. Oh, the funny thing is, like we just. We're just losing it over here. It's great. Um, yeah, so there's some comments here. So Sean's like, hopefully Lowell's just there to cut the ribbons. Mm. Strange lovers. The chairman doesn't really do much, though. Legally, they just put out the, put out the mineral water sandwiches and pass around the talky pillow. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in, David. Appreciate it, mate. Hope you enjoy the show and subscribe. Cheers, David. RL77, no disrespecting Lennox Town, please. I was born there in the asylum. Converted <laughs> to maternity wards, I hasten to add. <laughs> hey, all I've got to say, mate, is you were born in an asylum that was converted. I was born in an old folks' home that was converted to a hospital, and now it's back as an old folks' home again. So, you know, everyone's got their own story, mate. Lennox Town's good does a good job, but yeah, it's miles out the out the way. So get the um I'm just looking forward to it. I think what do we name the Barrowfield Redevelopment Day? Are we finally spending that that teeny money? So we call it the KT Barrowfield thing, or do we call it the the Jota Oil Money, Blood Money Stadium <laughs> or something like that? Because we're spending some of it. I'm setting you up here, Liam. It's all for you. I'm waiting for it. Go. Oh, and you can can't we go for, you know, um in 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 light of, you know. Equality, whatever. The International Respect Arena. <laughs> hey, I love it. I love it. Brilliant. <laughs> uh, absolutely love it. The Professional International Respect Arena. <laughs> <sighs> well, it's been nice being on the pod. <laughs> Cancel us now. <laughs> I mean, it's got, it's, got, it's got to be the Sir Craig White Stadium, isn't it? Really, I mean, come on, there's, there's no other. Uh, the Craigie no Craigie other Craigie hero worthy of homage. No, well, you know what we should do. How much did um we should name it the you know the the two pound stadium. <laughs> Just for a laugh. Uh, oh god! Yeah. All right, let's get into the game against Feyenoord tomorrow in the Champions League. So it's going to be Tuesday night game over there. Wednesday morning for us. Oh, it's going to be fun. Love a Champions League game. It's the best. So I'm going to bring up some comments before we get into it all. So Michael Ross commented, 
Bynold are missing both their strikers through injury and suspension. John Clements was, we don't have any pace at centre back at the moment or left back. I'm worried about ball out the top. Lagerbelke had to cover for scales and Taylor on a couple of occasions and he's not quick. The thing on that is Lagerbelke, I don't think he's at as slow as everyone's making out. I just think Starfelt, who was there before, actually had a lot more pace than him. Like mm. Starfelt was actually pretty quick for a centre back. So I think it could be a little from column A, a little from column B, but yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll soon find out. Mahesh with a nice little bit of slander here. Fire duds, mids are the problem. Never seen them called fire duds, but here we go. Mids are the problem. Celtic need to slow down their transition. So expect Rogers to sit deeper. Fire duds defense can be got at. Not much quality there. I'm kind of agreeing with their midfield and defense. I think that's where the, the match is going to be won. I think we'll we'll probably try to play a bit more counter-attacking, but we'll get into that in a minute. Um and when I was talking about the counter-attacking, Andrew was saying, Mater will be flying up them in Rotterdam. He looks in good form at the right time. Yeah, I think this is the best form I've seen him in in a Celtic jersey. Liam can, um, you know, blow wind up his ass and everything from his time in Japan about his career best form and everything. But I'd have to catch him first. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, Liam, is this the best form you've seen him in in a green and white jersey? Uh, yeah. Yeah, it is. He's... he's um... It was interesting last week, actually, when I watched Japan play Turkey, that Japan actually deployed him on the on the left wing, um, with uh, with Kyogo up front. Uh, I think maybe even Moriasu is coming around to the idea that Maeda's best position might be wide left. So, yeah, maybe Moriasu's uh, you know got copped a kick in the dick and actually decided that he's going to play and where they play for their club because he's he's not the best, he's a hopeless manager in my opinion. But you know, what well, luck it matters to me. Hmm. He's he's very very fortunate to have arguably the greatest set of players Japan have ever had at the moment. That that's you know Moriyasu. I think is a mediocre manager surrounded by some very very special players right now. But that's another Sounds story. Like Graham Arnold with the Socceroos. Yeah. <laughs> Same situation. There we go. I said it. Shots fired. I don't like Graham Arnold. X. Really? You've never mentioned that before. Ex Hun <laughs> Just come as a bit of a shock. <laughs> oh. <Shit>. Anyway. Um, <laughs> but just, just teeing off now. <laughs> I've lost it. Oh dear. Yeah. All right. I'm not to swear on the pod, but I've just lost it today. Good fun. <laughs> All right. So current results for Feyenoord. So over the season, so their first game of the season was a nil-all draw. Their second game, but they they had a man sent off. The second game of the season was the Rotterdam derby, two-all draw away from home. Third game of the season was a 6-1 win against Elmira. The next game against Utrecht, 5-1 win. And on the weekend against Heronveen, they won 6-1. So... In some absolute like good form going forward, but as we said in the comments, defensively they can be got at. So the game, I think it'll come down to the midfield. Another thing to think about though, with referring talking about them is they've got us on Tuesday, but on the weekend on Sunday, they're playing against Ajax in Amsterdam. 
Oh. So if you look at it from their big perspective, are they going to think we are the easier one and are they going to rest players for this keeping them fresh, ready to go for Ajax on the weekend and take and think they're a pot one club, we're a pot four club, let's just not put all our strength, strongest players out there and get through the game, get their team back to full strength and play Ajax on the weekend. That's something to look at it. So that's why I brought up this whole thing because like with their lineups and everything, oh, sorry, with their fixtures because what's going on there? It's going to be so many sub subplots there. But I think, yeah, as Michael's saying, tomorrow will be huge for them. They'll want to get off to a good flying start at home. And if they're in the form where they're, you know, 16 goals or whatever it is in their last last three league games, they're going to want to keep that form going. You know, they're going to want to go out there and just try and smack us. So how does that make you feel, Shane? Well, I don't think we're keeping a clean sheet. That's That's pretty much part one. Look, they sound like they've been in great form. Um, they're scoring for fun, right? I think someone put in the, the the chat just before 17 goals and three matches, pretty much just backing up what you were saying. I I think it, uh, the game against Ajax on the weekend opens up a little bit of a conundrum for them, but I probably agree with Michael in the comments. I can't see them treating their first Champions League game, um, uh, you know, as a fate accompli and putting in weakened players against us or their sort of second string players thinking that um, that they can take us lightly. I think that would be pretty foolish of them. Um, and you don't really want to do that, particularly in your first Champions League match. You, you want to set the tone for the rest of the group. So I, I think we're going to expect a pretty fired up um, opposition. I think they're going to come at us. I think uh, I think we're going to have to be at our very best uh, to get a result, to be honest. Um, and if we can jag a result there, considering the form they've been in, we've done very, very well. And I, I genuinely think we can do it. Um, but, yeah, it, it's going to be tough, that's for sure. What are your thoughts, Liam? So, so far we've established that we don't think they're going to be um... – Pegging us as an easy mark is this what we're forgetting that? Yeah. Um, sorry, sorry. Um, uh, right, but in all seriousness, we can get a result over there, but it's going to be difficult. And if I was an if I was a Feyenoord fan, looking at the coverage of the group since the draw, I think I'd be quite annoyed about how many media outlets, not just in Scotland but elsewhere have said continuously, I find are not really a pot one team. They're the weakest of the pot one teams. And, you know, Atletico Madrid should cruise that group, whatever. I think it's very, very disrespectful to, you know, what is a massive European club and a club that's, you know, unlike most of the Champions League, they're there on merit because they actually did win their championship. So, um, you know, come whatever happens tomorrow night, I, I hope that, everyone treats Feyenoord with a wee bit more respect than they're currently getting. Um, of course, if we go out and scalp them tomorrow night, then there's not going to be much to be had in terms of respect. But I don't... If we get a draw tomorrow night, I'll be delighted, put it that way. Um, I'm hopeful, but not too hopeful. Yeah, Michael, we're the pot four team here. Mm. Um, yeah, and as Pegleg's saying here, not conceding an early goal is essential. The longer we go without conceding, the more frustrated. So I look mm. at this and go, it's going to be like us last year against Real Madrid at home. 
the first half an hour, we were just dominating. And then that settled into the game and we missed a few chances. If the game plays out where that we can weather that first 15, 20-minute storm that you would think from them, mm-hmm. then we should be able to settle into the game and play some football. I'm not saying we're Real Madrid. I'm not that dumb. But what I'm saying is it's that sort of context that is how I think the game will play out. Now, Liam, I have a question for you. Feyenoord mm-hmm. striker Ayase Ueda has declared himself fit for the Champions League game. Mm. Japanese yeah. striker. Tell us about him. Decent player. Um, although, in my opinion, not as good as Kyogo or Maeda. Um Again, that's based only on what I've seen him do for Japan. I have never seen him play for his club. Um, but when he's been in the Japan squad, looks decent. But I think the the likes of not not just Maeda and Kyogo, but also Ritsu Doan, um, you know, the, there are other strikers that are better than Ueda, in my opinion. But he's a decent player. No, no doubt about that. But... He's not a guy we should be afraid of because I think we've got we've got we've got two better Japanese strikers in our team. In my it's opinion, funny. it's pretty funny. I look at, I was just looking at that now, and I'm like, oh, both teams are going to be probably starting a, a Japanese centre forward. There you go. Yeah, in a Champions uh, League, that's good for Japanese football. But yeah, interesting. So I'm going to bring up some comments, and then we'll uh, go through our predicted starting lineups. Have a few little talking points that I want to touch on before we give an actual lineup score prediction. So, um, Andrew Galea is does O'Reilly sit alongside McGregor and let Hatade play the ten? That's something that I actually had later on. Was will it be Hatade or Turnbull? So we'll talk about that now. How do you think the midfield will play out, Shane? Will it be? As Andrew's saying here, O'Reilly in the eight, Hatade in the ten, with McGregor in the six, or will we see Turnbull with Hatade coming off the bench like we saw on the weekend? What are your thoughts? No, I think um, I, I don't think you can run with Turnbull starting again at uh, at Rotterdam alongside O'Reilly and and Calmac. So Hatate is a a, a lot. If he's not, he should be a lock for tomorrow night. Um, in terms of how they the dynamic in terms of midfield, I'm not sure. I think you'll still have the. I, I can't see us deviating away from the two eights, and I think Hatate provides a lot of uh, dynamic and energy that means that we can still have the two eights with O'Reilly and Hatate. And then if they need to, either one of them can drop a little bit deeper if they want to sort of partner Calmac a little bit, or one of the other can actually push forward and play in that more advanced role. They're they're they can both do it without being similar players. Um, we've got a good dynamic with all three of those in the middle of the park. So I think you'll probably have more Hatate and O'Reilly as the two eights with Calmac sitting in that deeper role. And then they'll just kind of find, feel their way through it um, and, you know, move about where they need to. And before Liam gives his opinion, Robert Gibson is saying Turnbull will study as dick picks at BR. <laughs> <laughs> Liam snorted everyone. Yeah, uh, is that is that dick pics of BR or dick pics of the girl that BR was with? Anyway, um, oh, allegedly, allegedly. Uh, <laughs> we're not seeing next Monday, are we? <laughs> it's be been a good run while it lasted, lads. It's been a good run while it lasted. Um, no, uh, oh god, what was I even going to say there? Yeah. 
It's going to be Hatati starting. Um, uh, putting Turnbull in there just sets us up for a pegging, you might say. Um, but uh, no, I, I, I just. It's going to be a fast-paced, intense game tomorrow night, and that is not Turnbull's game. <laughs> oh, jeez. We've gone off the rails tonight. <laughs> I know we say, like, the pot noodles, like, guys having a is drink. It, at the is pub, it to, to uh, strap yeah, on a pegging ref? <laughs> <laughs> he said strap line, mate. Strap line, not strap on. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> anyhow, anyhow. Strange um, love of the doctor no, right, was so, right. this is that. Fine odd will play the team they want to use against Ajax because it'll be part of their build-up. And he's followed up with this is one of the few occasions where I'm prepared to alter the way I like to play. I'm not interested in putting on a show, suffocate the space, control the tempo. What do you reckon, Liam? I think that's a that's a very good uh a very good uh analysis. Um but at the same time. Uh, we know they they're missing two strikers tomorrow night who are gonna be they're gonna be pushing to get them fit for the Ajax game. So um, you're, they're gonna want to uh, they're they're gonna rejig things a wee bit for their game on the weekend anyway, regardless of what happens tomorrow night. So yes, I see his point, and I think yeah, tomorrow, as I said, if we if we scrape a draw, I'll be delighted. I don't, I don't care if it's a utterly boring nothing each draw. Um, you know, that would be a great start to our campaign. But yeah, I think that it's gonna be that they're gonna come out to try and put the game away early so that they could, you know, if you're a Feyenoord fan and you're going into the game fairly confident, you're thinking, right, I want to be two or three up by half time, take off five players, put out the reserves so that everybody's fresh for the Ajax game. That that's how they would be thinking about it. Now I'm not suggesting for a second they would be arrogant enough to think they can do that to Celtic because in the Champions League there are no easy games, regardless of who you're playing. But there's going to be that, you know, that's going to be in the back of their minds. They want to put this game away as quickly as possible, and that is where the Fire Nerd fans, who are known for creating an electric atmosphere, could perhaps slightly work against them if it gets. 30, 35 minutes in and they haven't scored yet. You know, the 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 that vociferous home crowd can suddenly become a burden, as we, you know, as we saw at Ibrooks a few weeks ago. Well, um, there's a comment here from Michael Ross, Liam, which was hmm. only the fourth time they've been in the Champions League out of 20 years, first time in five years, they'll be up for it. And, okay, the yeah. players will be, and that's why we're talking about the weather in that early storm. But then, as you're saying, Liam, their fans are going to be up for it too. Hmm. They've got a good reputation of being a great crowd. And then you put the first time they've been there in five years, yeah, they're going to be up and about. And as you said, like with Ibrox, if things don't go their way and they're expecting an easy game, then could be could get a little toxic for them because their fans are a little bit on the feral side. Mm. Shane, you got anything to add? No, I was just going to say the one thing we need to um, also remember is um, it's going to be obviously a different or potentially a different approach compared to when Ange was in charge and our previous Champions League uh, performances. Brendan, I think, you know, with Ange, it was we're going to go out, we're going to play our way, we're going to do our thing, and we're just simply going to going to play exactly how I want to play, continue attack, play, go forward, everything right. 
we're going to be the team to do it and they're going to have to play against us. I think with Brendan, you'll see some more pragmatism. You know, you might see him set up a little bit more defensively. You might see him actually say, well, hang on a second. Let's go with the flow here. Um, let's take it easy. Change in tempos, change in styles, actually playing to what are our strengths on the night instead of just playing exactly how we think we should uh, in Scotland week in, week out. And so that's another consideration here is how do we set up from a from a perspective with Brendan in charge do we go out and try and be the team to play? Do we sit back? What what do we do? I think we'll be more pragmatic. That's the one thing I can be almost certain of. Andrew Galea is saying, I play two sixes and two eights, four, four, two. And then we had another comment early on. I'm just trying to scroll back to it because we've gone past it. He also said, if we play the four, four, two with Mater and Kyogo inside left, inside right, sounds like you've been watching a bit of... um the old Ange ball, you know, from his Melbourne victory days, playing a 4 2 2 It'll be a, <laughs> be a bit of an interesting so um, interesting one if that happens. But I just look at it and go, look, it's there to play for. And as you said, a bit of pragmatism will come into it. But if we're going to play Maeda, who's quick on the break, are we going to play Yang out, out right and then Kira go through the middle? And, yeah, as I said, it's going to come down the middle. And about having that variety in the in the middle of the park is the main thing. So, yeah, it's going to be be an interesting one to watch. Yeah. Um. So, I'm going to bring up some more some more of the last few comments here. JD said, "Atletico and Lazio both lost at the weekend. Atletico three 0 Lazio have lost three of their last four. Nothing to fear in this group. Have to agree with you. I think it's all there to play for. If we're on the road and we can pick up a point, if we win." away in Rotterdam, great. If we get a point, I'd be happy with that too. It sets us up nicely. So it'll be interesting. Um, Shane, Lagerbelke or Phillips or Scales, who are you picking? Well, Scales is actually the lock for me. Scales stays, so two partners, Liam Scales. Um, And I don't think we would have said that four or five weeks ago (laughs) coming into Rotterdam away. Um, I'm going Phillips. I'm going Phillips. I know um, what we said before uh, about him in that first hit out against Dundee. That's fine. You know, first game, just getting it out of the system. He's a quality defender. We've brought him in for our European, um, you know, matches, particularly Champions League level and potentially Europa League if we if we get there. He's played in Champions League before. He's played in high-quality fixtures like this or similar. Um, he's a, a great defender, and you listen in, the people – uh, who talk highly of him, talk about how he loves to defend and how that's, um, you know, his you know his attribute is kind of being that kind of defensive rock. And I think if it's something we're going to really need uh, tomorrow night, we're going to need people to defend. We're going to need players to play the full 90, do exactly what's needed for the cause to get some sort of result. And I think having him beside Scales uh, will do that. I like Lagerbelk. I really do. And I thought his uh, distribution when he came on at the weekend was really good. His lack of pace, which you touched on earlier, and I kind of disagree with you, I think his lack of pace is noticeable. And I'd be worried about that against Feyenoord. I'd just be a little bit concerned that he could get get exposed there. So on that basis, um, I'm going Phillips. So Scales and Phillips as our starting centre-halves. Liam, any differences of opinion there? Um. I'm going to go Phillips and Lagerbilka. It's really, really tough on Liam Scales, but I think at European level, 
you want to go with the experience of Phillips. And if it's a straight-up choice between Lagabielka or Scales, I think Lagabielka is a better player. Uh, I would have said the same. I would have said the same as you, Liam. But as Michael Ross is saying, it has to be scales on form at the end of the day. Very valid point, and I would not, I would not have any issues if that is the way it goes out. I'm just giving, just my personal take on it. But if scales plays, it plays on merit and fair play to him. Yeah, and as B saying, love lager too. So do I. <laughs> Tastes awesome. Who doesn't? Okay, so. Last thing before we give out our full-on teams. We saw it a bit on the weekend. Will Taylor and Johnson play as inverted fullbacks? Do you think we're going to see that to try and clog up the middle of the park again? I think it looks – I think that was Taylor's best game he's done all season because he was playing a bit more inverted. Again, do you think we'll see that in over in Rotterdam? What do you reckon, Liam? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Taylor, best game of the season so far. Johnson on another day could easily have had two goals. Um, yeah, it was uh, it was the best. It was the most comfortable the two of them have looked um, all season. So I think stick with stick with what works. And uh, it's fair play to Brendan Rogers for you know setting the ego aside and realizing that maybe. What he wanted to try out with the the fullbacks was not perhaps the best idea, considering the personnel he has. So yeah. it's good to see Taylor and Johnson both looking a lot more comfortable on the ball at the weekend. Yep, hundred percent. So I'm just trying to find a comment that I was going to bring up before, and then it's just moved on the screen. So bear with us. But I think you, you should another... have you should have pegged it. Sorry, I mean pinned it. Sorry. <laughs> <Liam>. <laughs> <laughs> so there was a comment early on. I can't find it, but it was. I think the plan was Rogers was before the injury crisis. He was planning to play, you know, three five two in Europe with the three centre backs, your wing backs, mm. and then your two guys up front. And Michael McDonald has said, "Will we play two centre halves?" Or he's gone and he's followed up, or will we play three? I think we have to play two because of our injury crisis. Above all else, I don't think JD's saying they play all three. Johnson and Taylor Wide, Kelmack, O'Reilly and Hattade in the midfield, Kyogo Mater up top. It could work. In the, that could be the way to, you know, stop them getting that weather that early storm. But then you run the risk of if there's an injury, then you have to change the whole formation and completely throw the balance off for the team. So I don't know. It's going to be touch and go. Rogers will do what Rogers does anyway. Like years ago, I thought we would have done that against Barcelona, and we went toe. To, he tried to go toe to toe with them, and we got beat. Was it six one or seven one or something? It was PSG in Barcelona. Yeah, I think you would have learned since then. But yeah, well, it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out. And Pegleg was saying the game might actually suit Scales more because I expect we'll be more defensive, not not as much space behind him. Valid point, John Clemens. We'll miss a bar tomorrow's pace on the counter attack is a huge asset. So it's so good when teams are camped in. It's not so good. Mm. Michael McDonald said this. I heard someone say Kyogo is the closest thing we've had to Larson. Agreed. Let, I would agree. And let's uh, hope he comes and absolutely rips him a new one tomorrow. That would be brilliant. 
So we get to the point here. What's the starting lineup going to be? I will we'll go line by line through the through the squad. Okay, so Hart and goal. Shane picked the defence. Taylor left back. Scales and Lagerbelk. Uh, sorry, Scales and Phillips. Sorry, caught, nearly caught myself out. Then Scales and Phillips is the two starting centre halves, and Johnston uh, right back. Liam, what's the midfield? Midfield, uh, McGregor, O'Reilly, Hattati. And attack will be Kyogo with Maeda on one side and Yang on the other. I think pretty much everyone is w- wanting to see that sort of lineup. Hope we'll get out there and get the business done. And score predictions. I'm going to bring up the first score prediction, and it's not from any of us. It's from Tony Cassidy being a man from, you know, ripping what's normally in my heart every podcast when I say we're going to win 10 0. So, Tony, fair play. Someone had to say it. It wasn't going to be me tonight. So, good on you. <laughs> I think, as I said earlier, if we can, if we get a win, I don't care if it's 2 1 or if it's 3 2, or whatever, we're, we're going to concede. Let's be honest. Yeah. They will score goals. We will score goals. So, if it's a draw, I'd be happy with the point. If we win, even better. I'll be buzzing at work. So, um, on the Wednesday all day. They'll motivate me all day and then I'll get home and I want to watch the game again that night. So, yeah, I'm going to go with uh, two-all draw. What do you think, Shane? I think this is going to be a draw that we grind out um, and that when we come away with it uh, is going to be another important uh, moment in our season going forward. I'm saying we come away with a one-all draw. Liam? I was going to say two each as well, so I'll stick with that, two each. Andrew Galea, he says, I hope we don't get spanked. (laughs) The spanking gets done um, on the weekend, (laughs) you know, for those basing themselves in Amsterdam, coming down Uh, for the game instead of, you know, being in Rotterdam. It's a different town talking about spanking in Holland, but, you know, I get your point, mate. Yeah, in fairness, Celtic won't be the first group of men to go to Rotterdam and get shagged if it does happen <laughs> tomorrow night, you know. B saying 3-2 to the hoops. So, yeah, good fun. All right, everyone, thanks for joining joining us tonight. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. If you haven't done so and you liked what we've done, hit the like button on you if you're watching on YouTube. Share the podcast around. Subscribe to the channel via your podcast app or on YouTube. We're trying to keep growing it. Um, yeah, we're back on Thursday with the Thursday sesh to review the game against Feyenoord, preview the game on the weekend. Um, other than that, we'll get some final thoughts and then we'll leave the leave the pod. So, um, Liam, get a final thought. Um, interesting little mathematical statistic. Um, I noticed uh, in his uh, conference last week that Rangers manager Michael Beale said that they had had 21 shots on goal which is more than any other team in the league prior to last weekend's games. Which, funnily enough, by sheer coincidence, 21 shots. It's also the number of shots the average Hun fires up his sister in a given week. (laughs) 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 Shane, you got a final thought? 
Oh, dear. How do you follow that, it's hey? Just, it's just been nice being on the pod, I guess. Um, <laughs> now, I'll, I'll give I'll give a quick shout-out to former Aussie Hoop Scott McDonald. He's in charge of uh, Gold Coast United. Uh, sorry, not Gold Coast United. I'll get in trouble for that. The Gold Coast Knights uh, in the NPL in Queensland. Um, so he's been managing them for the past few seasons. They wrapped up the uh, championship on the weekend, uh, which to go with their, their Premier's plate finishing top of the league. And they also won the competition as well. So that's three trophies for Scott uh, in this past season at Gold Coast United. So shout out to you, Scott. And maybe maybe a smoky for the vacant Central Coast Mariners job. So just good to see Scott doing well in his uh, start of his managerial career seen people mentioning his name who are connected to the club. So fingers crossed. It'll be great to see that. My final thought was going to be real simple. Please share the podcast around on your social medias. That's it. Grab the videos, share it around. Don't want to sound desperate, but come on, let's keep growing this thing. We've got, uh, you know, Andrew saying stuff like this. We've got Michael saying stuff like this. Get around, get around it. Let's grow the pod together. Appreciate you all. Thanks for tuning in. We'll uh, see you on the next pod. Hail, hail. Hail, hail. Sports Social Podcast Network.